park. Hit him with a strike. From the national anthem to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slammy, Ego, Slammy, Ego, Slammy, Ego, Slammy, Ayy. You already know what's up. What's that? Another home run. But you know the job ain't done. Till we hold that trophy up. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 429 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is July 20th, 2023. The San Diego Padres, they took two out of three from the Toronto Blue Jays this week. Had a chance to sweep the series earlier today in Toronto, but they were not able to. They had a lot of opportunities to come through with runners in scoring position starting off innings, you know, first and second. There was runners on third at some points, just could not come through. Uh, There was good starting pitching pretty much throughout this series, at least results-wise, runs allowed-wise. You know, the first two games was better all-around game pitching-wise, where today, you know, Juan Soto was – or not Juan Soto, sorry, Blake Snell uh, was – it was an interesting outing, to say the least, and so we'll get – into all three of those games get to your comments obviously if you want to make sure i get to your comment or your question as always please consider using that super chat button and i will get it there it makes it much easier for me to see your comment because it sorts it into a different category and it supports the channel as well so i greatly appreciate any of those and if you want to join the show You can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat like I usually do. I provide that link there for Padres fans to come on in, give their thoughts about the team, rant about the team, praise the team if you want to, if you're somehow in that mood. Um, Any thoughts, just feel free to click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat there here in the live stream. Just a reminder here, just waiting for some people to get in here. Uh, Use that code TALKINGFRIARS for $20 off your SeatGeek order. SeatGeek is great. Um, I believe it gives you certain areas on the the seating map, like what's a good price, what's a bad price. So use that. Uh, and then click the link in the description, Breaking Tea. I love using that Breaking Tea website. Great shirts, sweatshirts. Uh, actually just got a couple. Um, one was Naomi Gurma uh, of the San Diego Wave. So Wave, Padres, Aztecs, feel free to click that link. Uh, BreakingTea.com, great stuff there. Um, yeah, Irish says here in the chat, just looking at the first few, we got to mix the bottom of this order up. We're not going to sell. We didn't get rid of the prospects we had to sell at least till next year. I think what Irish saying is we, we didn't get rid of the prospects we had to sell um, just to have Juan Soto here for this amount of time, like not trading Juan Soto um, and the prospects that they would give up. I think I was saying they wouldn't give them up till next year. Maybe they're more developed. There's some guys they just drafted. Um, and I don't believe they're allowed to trade them right when they draft them. Uh, Devin says, Padres season in a nutshell. False hope. Win first two games. Can't win the sweep. Up and down. Yeah, that's what I said on my post-game reaction that I posted here before going live. Like, up and down. That's what it's been. You know, there's some positive things at the beginning of a series. And then you can't finish it. I mean, just look on this road trip right after the All-Star break, right? The first game against the Philadelphia Phillies, it was great. Offense showed up. You Darvish pitched well. But then what happened the rest of the series, right? Those last or the last three games, two of those last three games, they should have won those, and they weren't able to, right? This series against the Blue Jays, 
First game, pretty much a good all-around game. Second game, good pitching-wise, offense, eh, but they still found a way to win the game. Then the third game here, I would definitely would not blame you if you think that this Padres team should have won this game because they had so many opportunities to do so. And like I said on my post-game reaction, maybe different pitchers would have been used if the Padres would have had a lead because they definitely had an opportunity to have a lead late in that game after Snell exited, um, even after who was the first guy that came out of the bullpen today? It was Wilson, right? Even after the first reliever came into the ball game or came out of the ball game, like, yeah, Wilson, after that sixth inning there, before Garcia even took the mound, I know he gave up a home run there. Before he even took the mound, like the Padres had chances to come through and win that game or have a lead or tie the game. And they just weren't able to do it. So many opportunities. And today's game really felt like a lot of this season, just not being able to cash in on those opportunities, right? And you can you cannot just relate today to the runners in scoring position thing, but relate it to just the team in general, right? Going into this season, the Padres, they had a chance to go win the World Series. I guess they could still, but I don't think anyone in the, in the fan base believes they're going to or at least definitely the majority of the fan base doesn't believe they're, they're going to go all the way, right? They might not, It feels like they're not even going to make the postseason. So they had the chance going in, all this hype, in position to go win the World Series with the talent that was on this roster, we thought, but they haven't been able to come through on that, just like runners in scoring position. Had opportunities to come through, take the lead in this game, a lot of opportunities in this season to win some of these games that they have not been able to win and they just could not come through. Right. So yeah, you can relate the runners in scoring position thing, not just to that, but to just the season overall. If you want to recap the season overall, I mean, you could use this game to recap that. Right. I think. Um, so let's, let's start with today's game. We'll work our way back. Uh, in this series, obviously a 4 nothing loss today. Already talked about a little bit the runners in scoring position issues. Um, just look at the opportunities that they had in this game, huh? Top of the second, first and third, one out. Matt Carpenter, the one day he's DHing, pops up, and then Grish punches out. And then we go to the top of the fourth, first and second, two outs. Carpenter pops up. Matt Carpenter, he should not be on this team. I think we can agree on that. And it was head-scratching a little bit why the Padres decided to keep Matt Carpenter on the roster and not DFA him. Instead, they DFA'd Rugnet Odor before this series started. Odor can actually play multiple positions. I think he's a better option than Matt Carpenter right now. Matt Carpenter, like, he, there, there's no power there, right? We saw it a little bit early in the year, but it's gone. It almost feels like Austin Nola. It's just like a lefty Austin Nola that's up there, up there at the plate. And this guy just has a two-year contract. And I think it's paid more money and he's more of a vet. So he's sticking around, you know, uh, and the Padres don't have like this, this DH that was hurt and is ready to come back up. Right. So we're just waiting, I guess, for this bat to come in for AJ Priller to acquire a bat and then him come in, be the DH or have someone else be the DH and that guy go to a different position and Carpenter be off the roster. Now, that's if the Padres buy. I guess they could buy and sell, but, like, it all just goes back to my point. Like, obviously, Carp, it's not like me going out on a limb or anything. Like, we all agree 
Carp should not be on this roster. He's not helping this team. He's just, it's like Austin Nola. Just Carpenter doesn't catch. He's not helping this team. Just, he's just not doing it. Um, so he had a couple opportunities, top of the six, second and third with just one out. Crony pops up. And then Gary grounds out to second base to allow Chris Bassett to have a successful day out there. And I thought Chris Bassett, he was pretty effective. But again, the Padres, they had a lot of opportunities to come through and they just couldn't do it. Um, Jake Cronenworth, I see some people on social media because they know that I love Jake Cronenworth. They're like, so when Carpenter does this, you get on him, but, or when someone else does something bad, you get on them, but you don't get on Crony. And it's like, no, that's not true. Uh, I posted the video today of Crony popping up there with runners in scoring position. Um, I've said on this show, like Crony, this has been a disappointing season for him. Very underwhelming, just got the contract and he's not living up to that. Uh, I think he's had good moments. Obviously the July 4th game sticks out. Uh, he's had, more good moments on defense at first base than he has on, than he's had on offense. Uh, but yeah, his value has gone down moving over to first base. Um, I, I still believe that he can be better and kind of get back to the Jake Cronenworth of 2021, 2022 even. Uh, but yeah, the numbers have gone down year by year. You just look at the numbers, um, just OPS, it's gone down uh, more significantly this year. I know the season isn't complete, so I don't want to judge it until the season is totally complete because the numbers could get a lot better um, if he turns it around a lot, you know, a full 180. Uh, but it's not looking good right now. And I acknowledge that crony needs to be better. And I think there's it's not just crony. I think there's multiple guys in this lineup that need to be better. There's a lot of guys on this team that need to be better. If this Padres team wants to get where they want to go. Right. We've been saying that a lot. We've been saying that since I stopped saying eh, it's early. Cause it's not early. Right. We, we can't go with that anymore. Like this team, it's just not a serious baseball team. They're still under 500. There's good moments, but then it's followed up by bad moments. Right. So it's just inconsistency. Um, after the crony thing happened. So there was more opportunities after that in the top of the seventh Grish gets on first base. Blue Jays give him a walk. He should have walked on pitches earlier than that because the umpire sucked. First two pitches of that at bat were balls. They were called strikes. So it was Oh two, then four straight balls. I think it was four straight. And then Grish gets to walk to first base. They just gave him the base. And then there's a pop-up. Shallow right field. Vlad has his back towards Grish. So I understand Grish being like, well, Vlad, yeah, probably not going to catch this ball. Uh, but he was staying on first base. If you look at the camera angle from, I believe it was the right field corner. So not the live camera angle, but the second one that the, the Padres MLB broadcast showed. You can see that Grish was on first base. He didn't start running towards second until the ball was almost coming down. And then... When Vlad caught it, he was still in the process of running towards second base. And then he stopped and tried to come back, and it was too late. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you forcing that? You know, if he drops it, guess what? It's in, it's turf. You're, it, you're probably not going to get thrown out at second base. It's probably going to take a big hop, and you're going to be able to get to second base. It's still a tough throw to second base, too. So just why are you trying to force something when it doesn't, when you don't have to do that? Yesterday, he made a base running mistake. 
Now, he got away with it, kind of, results-wise, because Bo Bichette made a bad throw over there, over there to third base, but he got caught. Manny comes in you know, with the broken bat single to bring in a couple runs. Padres win that game. But it's just forcing some things where it's like, why, Grish? You don't need to be doing that. So there was maybe a missed opportunity there. It was just a dumb thing that happened there with Grish in the seventh. Top of the eighth comes, and this was the worst one because these are the guys you want up at the plate, right? You want Manny Machado, who's like the best player in baseball right now in the month of July, it feels like. Uh, you want him up. First and second, nobody out. Tatis and Soto on base. Manny strikes out looking. Don't know what he was looking at on that final strike. And then Bogey comes up. I thought it was a pretty competitive at-bat. But then he grounds into a double play. 5-4-3. Good play by Chapman, but results-wise, he grounded into a double play. We don't care. Oh, great play by the other team. Well, no, we just look at the results. And the results were, that's five opportunities today for the Padres or five innings with opportunities in them to come through with runners in scoring position, or you took away a situation. Maybe you would have had a runner in scoring position with the Grisham thing, five opportunities there. And a lot of those opportunities happened before the Padres had to deal with a four, nothing deficit when home runs were allowed. Right. I think Garcia and Cosgrove gave up home runs today. So yeah, this was another one that, I wouldn't blame you to throw into the category of, yep, games they should have won. And we obviously know there's already been a few games that they should have won on this road trip, and we're not even in Detroit yet, right? Padres are going to get to Detroit probably tonight before their series opener tomorrow. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that series, before they finally get to come back home. It's been a while, right? Uh, but usually it, it feels like this season they're a better road team than they are at home, so maybe we want them to be on the road still. Uh, but yeah, like going into today, I was like, well, if they win the rest of the road trip, they would finish what seven and three in the, in the 10 game road trip. That's looking good. But when you lose today, now, if you went out now, it's six and four is the best. And the, where the Padres are right now in the, in the, the standings wild card, right? The postseason picture six and four probably isn't good enough to get it done. Right. Like at some point here. You know, you know, I was thinking about this during the game, too. Earlier in the season, I was probably saying, you know what? After after the Padres win a series, they take two out of three. That's good. Keep winning series, and I'll be happy. But we're at a point now where just winning series, taking two out of three, that's not good enough because of the hole the Padres have gotten themselves into. Right now, they sit six and a half games back of that final wild card spot. And I believe Arizona lost today, but there's other teams that have not played their games today, or maybe they don't play it today. So right now, as of now, six and a half back, that's a big hole. And I know Cincinnati's not playing as good baseball, uh, Arizona, maybe not as good of baseball, uh, but the numbers are the numbers. Like the results is what matters here. And those teams, they can afford not playing that great right now because they have the edge. The Padres can't afford to squander games like they did today, or else they're not going to get where they want to go. And I don't think they're going to get where they want to go. I don't think they're going to be a postseason team. Sitting here right now, I'd be lying if I said I think they're a postseason team. I think the majority of the fan base has that same thought. Like this team, they're not a postseason team. So if they want to, you know, make us look bad, which please, I want you, I want you to be in the postseason. At least that's what my heart says. And we can get into that in a little bit. Um, 
you know, the question of, do you want this team to actually be in the postseason, right? Because that's an interesting question. It really is. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, Padres fans. Uh, but yeah, you just can't, you can't afford to squander these opportunities. And today, I think, falls into the category of squandered opportunities. Uh, Robert Suarez, he was activated today, but did not go. I was kind of surprised he didn't pitch today because Bob Melvin wanted him to go into a game in a situation where it maybe wasn't like a high leverage situation. Wouldn't the ninth inning there, would have, wouldn't that have been better? Wouldn't that be a good situation for Suarez to go in? It's, uh, what, a 4 nothing game? Now, Al Jacob pitched good. The guy's nasty. He's like throwing a wiffle ball up there. He's one of the relievers I think we trust right now, right? Um, I thought that would have been a good situation to have Suarez throw. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't throw tomorrow now. Um, the other thing, obviously, today, Blake Snell on the mound. Five innings of work out of him. Really interesting day from Blake. Five hits allowed, one earned run, four punch outs, and obviously the main talking point, walks seven guys. I'll get to your super chat. I see that over there. I'll get to the super chat. But yeah, seven walks today from Blake. And that's something that makes this maddening as well. Like Blake, he still kept the Padres in the game. Like hit, watching him pitch today was maddening, but he pitched bad with the seven walks, right? The inconsistency inside the strike zone. He might have thrown more balls than strikes actually today. Or it was really close. 106 pitches, seven walks, kept them in the game. And they had a bunch of opportunities to go take that lead, and they couldn't do it. It's one thing if Snell, with these seven walks, right, he ends up allowing five runs. And it's like, well, look at the hole that Snell put us in. But no, it was one nothing there for a while. You had those opportunities and couldn't cash through on them. So, yeah, disappointing. And Robert Suarez coming back. What impact is Robert Suarez going to have for this Padres team? I think time will tell. I mean, we've seen guys come back this year where it's like, yeah, this will be a, a really good impact for this Padres bullpen. Thank goodness that they're back. And then they struggle out of the gate. So who knows what Robert's going to do here. But I'd obviously rather have Robert Suarez healthy and be an option than him not. He's missed a lot of time already this year. He has not pitched in the big leagues yet this year. Signed that contract and has had literally zero impact so far. So I'm excited to see him pitch. And if he pitches bad, I mean, there's a lot of relievers that aren't pitching great right now, right? There's a lot of relievers we don't trust. So it's it's not like it's going to be something new. That's going to be another headache for us, but it's not going to be something new. So I think it's only it only can go up from here, right, with, with the impact that Robert Suarez can have for this Padres team. Um, so, yeah, disappointing loss today. I'm going to get to the chat. I'm going to get to the comments, um, the regular comments. I'll get to you here in a little bit after going through this series. Super chat, I will get to right now, though. Those take uh, priority. It's Again, it's really easy for me to see those um, as I'm doing this and supports the channel. So I appreciate this, SJL Stevens. Do you think this is further evidence that this group does not have initiative, heart, fight, whatever you want to call it, to even make the postseason, sell, DFA. So you asked a lot there. So let me let me go one by one here. Do you think this is further evidence that this group does not have initiative, heart, or fight? Uh, today, I don't think that they laid down. It's just the bottom line is 
they had opportunities to come through and they didn't come through. I think Bogarts had a good at bat there, but the results are the results. He grounded into a double play. There's definitely been times this year where it's like, yeah, I mean, the managers called them out multiple times. Like, remember the twin series? Yeah. Got to show that we can fight. Got to fight a little bit more. Got to have a little bit more fight. He said something like that. Right. Um, yeah. There's, there's been times where it's like, yeah, felt like they laid down. I didn't really see it, see them lay down today. It was just that they didn't come through. Um, so some fans might say, yeah, this team doesn't have heart, doesn't have fight. Uh, and you definitely have some things to back that up, like I kind of just mentioned there. But as for today, I don't think this is further evidence for today. I was fine with the, the heart and the fight. They just didn't come through. Uh, Carpenter just should not be a major league DH for this Padres team. Um, Bogarts probably should have come through. Manny shouldn't have struck out looking, you know, little things like that. Grish shouldn't have made the base running mistake. Crony needs to come through in those spots. Like he's pissed off at himself too. Like he knows that. Um, and then Steve SJL Stevens here, the second part. Should they sell DFA? I don't know about DFA. What do you mean there? DFA carp? Yeah. If they get a bat. Yeah. Uh, or even if they don't, I mean, have a young guy come in. I'd probably rather see that in September if this team's out of it than see Matt Carpenter take up at-bats, right? Uh, but sell? Yeah, I, I mean, I said this on the show the other day. Um, yeah, I think this team should shell, should sell. What What is shell? That's not a trade deadline strategy. Yes, I think this team should sell. Um, Blake Snow is a free agent at the end of the year. I don't see him coming back. I don't see Josh Hader coming back. Maybe they sell Seth Lugo. Um, I know that really, really, that's, that's like, well, what do you, getting back there you better get something in the rotation because the rotation already lacks depth and if you're trading two starters then you're like giving up but i mean is this season going anywhere that's what the front office has to ask themselves do they think this Padres season is going anywhere like do they think this team can go on a world series run because making the postseason that's not good enough i think we would think it's like oh my gosh that's a miracle like wow they made the postseason but we still have to keep the same expectations for this team that we had going into the year. We do, because if we don't keep the same expectations for this team and you lower your expectations, guess what that does? That Guess what that's doing? That's letting them off the hook. That's just saying, oh, it's okay if they lose these games, whatever. No, keep the same expectations. We thought this team was going to be a World Series contender. They're not that. They've proven that, right? As I said on the show the other day, like they don't deserve to be a buyer. The players haven't shown enough consistency to have this Padres front office go out and buy, right? So, yeah, I think they should sell. Like, I don't see this season being ending up anything of significance. And I mean, significant significance by like what we thought it could be going to the World Series, making another deep run in the postseason. It's not going to end like that. And so, if you're just going to make the postseason, let's say if they go on a miracle run and be bounced out in the wild card series, why, why, why not just sell Hater and Snell? That's not good enough, right? We had the run of last year that we can remember. So, I think, yeah, you sell Snell, you sell Hater, and you try to get something back that will help you for 2024 and beyond. I don't think that because you sell Hater and Snell that you're rebuilding. Because you can't. With the contracts that you have, you can't rebuild. You're just saying this is the smartest thing for us to do to prepare ourselves to be in a, in a better spot 
for 2024 to go win that year and beyond, right? Because you know that 2023, just throw it down the toilet, right? Like just flush it. It's not going to happen. So yeah, I I don't know if the Padres are actually going to sell. Um, you know, public comments can be not the full truth, uh, but based on what Siler and Preller are saying, they don't want to sell. Their mindset is not selling, which I think can set this franchise back a little bit. When you have, the Padres would have the two most attractive guys on the market. Because I don't think I don't think we should include Otani in there because he's not getting traded. I would be very surprised if he gets traded. Artie Moreno is like, no, I'm not trading that guy. And he sees the Angels as still being in the hunt for a postseason spot. So I don't think he's going anywhere. So best starting pitcher out there, you could say it's Snell. You could say it's Stroman too, but... Snell is out there. He's one of the best and best reliever out there. Hater, if they're made available. So the Padres should take advantage of that and be like, this year's not going to be something. Let's go do the best we can to position ourselves again for 2024 and into the future. And I'll get into the Musgrove quote in a little bit. I want to get through this series uh, about Musgrove saying that we have a good team without Hater and Snell, essentially. Um, and what I think he meant by that. Did he need to say that? We'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, hopefully I answered your question there. SJL Stevens, again, makes it really easy to see your comment or your question. I definitely will get, get to your question, your comment, if you use that super chat button. Uh, so please consider that. It supports the channel. So I appreciate you all who do that. And if you want to join the show, you can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. Ben, nice name. Uh, another super chat here. Season been over. Uh, a bunch of false hope. Kim only one worth keeping. Sell the rest on to next year. Love the videos, which Don and Mud could go on the show. Or wish Don and Mud could go on the show to show how they really feel. Yeah. If they didn't work for the team, they probably might be more willing. Or, or no, no. They're willing. Like, that's the thing. They're willing to come onto the show. It's the Padres that won't let them come onto the show. Um, so, yeah. I think if they weren't, if it wasn't the Padres saying no, like they would. Um, but yeah, it, it's, they're in a tough spot, obviously. But yes, I appreciate that, Ben. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you all for the support. I really do appreciate it. Love interacting with all Padres fans, San Diego sports fans. Uh, as for Hassan Kim, well, as for a bunch of false hope. Yeah. I mean, that's what it feels like, right? These great games, right? Game one against the Blue Jays, the first game of that Philly series. It's just teasing. I've said that a lot, too. They're just teasing Padres fans. Oh, this is what we could be. This is what we envision this Padres team of being, right? Padres fans thinking, oh, this should have been happening way more consistently this year. Maybe they can keep doing that. And then what happens the next couple nights or the, the next few nights? Or maybe they have a good game after that, but then it goes right back to what happened today, right? Going, what, over with runners in scoring position? What was the fun? Let me look at the, the box score here. 0 for what? 0 for 7. Okay, great. 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. I guess I kind of thought it was going to be worse than that. But that, yeah, it's still bad. 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. If you want to look at yesterday's game, 1 for 10, 11 left on base. So, yeah, good, false hope, teasing, and then next couple nights it goes back to reality. That's what this reality is right now, and it, it sucks. Um, Kim, only one worth keeping. In, in terms of guys that might be on the trade block, because like Manny, he's being kept, obviously. Bogarts, Cronoworth, 
Musgrove, Darvish, Tatis. I could go on, right? You know the names. Those guys aren't going anywhere. But but if you want to keep Kim in that conversation of maybe he's a trade uh, piece because he's a free agent after next season and they might not be able to extend him partly because of that Cronoworth contract, right? Um, yes, I would keep Kim. I would, for now, I would keep Soto. Um, the only way I could see Kim going is if the Padres like have a concrete plan. We're moving Jake over to second. He is not playing first base next year. That didn't work. And we are going to go get a big bat at first base in the offseason. If that's what they plan to do, they better not miss on that plan because Hassan Kim is a very valuable piece to this team, right? Um, or maybe they trade Kim and in return they get a big bat for that's under control, right? But I don't see Kim getting dealt. And I agree, I would keep Hassan Kim. I would keep Juan Soto. I think they can really help this Padres team next year. Again, it's not a rebuild. If the Padres sell, it, this should not be a rebuild. It should be, is retool the right word? Um, pretty much waiting for the season to end, trying to make the most out of the return you can get for those guys, and then try as hard as you can to position yourself to be a World Series contender going into the 2024 season. That's what it is. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for that super chat, Ben. I appreciate that. Great name again. Um, okay. Did I touch on Wednesday's game? A little bit, but I didn't go as deep as I did in uh, for today's game. So Wednesday, Padres, they win yesterday 2 to nothing. Darvish pitched well, six innings, no runs allowed, four hits, three walks, seven punch outs on 100 pitches. And him and Musgrove, when the season's like on the line, like those two guys know that. Those are two guys that I trust. Like they're going to go out there. They're going to give it their all. They're going to be pissed off at themselves if they don't go six innings, right? Like they're going to be pissed. We saw Musgrove in the series opener. He went he went five and then went a sixth. But after five, he probably could have stopped. He was at a high pitch count already, but he kept going. Like he needed, he felt like he needed to go six innings. He was not going to be happy if he had to be, if he was just, going to sit there after five and be done, right? That was not going to happen. Um, so yeah, Darvish, Musgrove, I was confident in those guys going into those nights. And yeah, Darvish did his job. Nick Martinez, is he back? Maybe. I don't want to fully commit that he's back. But what I will say is it was really good to see Nick be pumped up after getting out of that inning there. Um, allowed the first two runners out of the bullpen on singles, but then got Vlad and Matt Chapman to pop up and then struck out with Merrifield on a ball that was never a strike, but the, I guess the deception was there uh, and Merrifield was trying to protect and got him over the plate, um, swinging at an outside pitch, obviously. That was in the other other's batter's box. And Nick was pumped up like we saw in the postseason last year. I believe we saw it in the homestand before the All-Star break as well. He was ready. And he was ready for that outing last night is what I meant to say. And then, yeah, it's great to see Nick show that energy because he's been – he can't show that, obviously, when he's given up beach balls. He's just throwing beach balls up there, right? So hopefully this is the turnaround for him and the bullpen can start turning it around because I think they've been pitching a little bit better, or at least the Toronto series they pitched better. Now there's a couple of them runs allowed today, but overall I think the bullpen did their job in this series. Um, so hopefully they just keep building on that. Taylor Colway, congratulations to him. He got his first major league hit there 
in the sixth inning. Don't know how much playing time we're going to see Bob Melvin give Taylor Colway. Bench outfielder. He was only playing yesterday because they wanted Fernando to get a day off of the turf. Uh, Obviously, the ankle thing that happened in Philly. Just get him off for a day. Get his bat still in the lineup. You don't have to DH Carp in that situation as well. So it's a win-win there. So that's why he was playing. Um, And, you know, yesterday, offensively, it was kind of like today. Like, they didn't really come through. Manny came through with a hit, you know, broken bat hit. But it shouldn't have even been in that spot. Like, the Blue Jays, they made a mistake. Grish made a base running mistake. And then Bo Bichette made a bad throw, and that allowed Grish to get to third. And then I forget who was – was it Kim on second? I forget who got to second on that play. So – Shouldn't have even been in that spot. Like, I think there was two outs when Grish tried to do that, and he got lucky. So maybe the Padres would have lost that game in extras because they haven't won a game in extras yet, but those two runs should not have even happened if if Bo Bichette would have made a good throw there. Uh, But you'll take the win, right? You'll take the win. On Tuesday, Padres win 9-1. to This one was an encouraging win, but again, it's kind of like the – it's actually like exactly like the Phillies series. I don't feel like talking about Monday's win a whole lot here, or not Monday, Tuesday. I don't feel like talking about the first game of this series that wins so much because of what happened after that, right? Not the most encouraging thing on Wednesday offensively, and then today offensively it sucked with runners in scoring position. It was it was bad. Oh for, what I say, oh for 7 with runners in scoring position. Terrible. So that Tuesday win, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, that was cool. It's not like, oh, well, they built on it. Like, that's the turnaround moment right there. We've all been hoping for that, right? That's not what it was. Um, Soto homered, Manny homered, Gary homered. I'm forgetting one else, right? Grish homered. So that was cool. Alec Jacob, two innings, no runs, pitched really well. Again, like I said earlier, that guy's like throwing a wiffle ball up there. Joe Musgrove pitched well. Six innings, one run, five hits allowed, one walk, seven punch outs on 109 pitches. He was dealing with a little bit of a quad issue. I think he strained it in the middle of the outing, but he kept going. Could have went five, decided to get out there for the sixth, go through six, which is something that Blake Snell did not do against the Phillies. Maybe that was to prove a point. I don't know. Um, And Manny, he is on fire in the month of July. Nine home runs in the month of July. Had the hit, obviously, in game two of the series, the broken bat hit. And before that, he hit a ball hard. It just went right to someone. Um, So, yeah, Musgrove drafted by the Blue Jays in 2011. It was almost 11 years to the day of him being traded in 2012 to the Astros, where he goes back to Rogers Center, pitching for his hometown team, and beats the team, almost dominates the team that drafted him. So that had to be cool. I know Musgrove was motivated. He had to be. He had to be must have been motivated uh, going into that outing. So, look, that that was a good all-around win, I thought. But what happened after that? Disappointment, you know? So, and this team still, bottom line, we're looking at these wild-card standings. You can have a good win, but bottom line is you're still six and a half games back as we sit right here. Six and a half games back of a playoff spot. Five games under 500 at 46 and 51. And the Reds don't even have a wild card spot. They are 52 and 46. They are six games over 500. You are five games under. Like, that's a big difference there. 
Now, the Padres, if if the standings, the wild card standings were based on run differential, the Padres would have the number one wild card spot. Their run differential is plus 42. Out of all the wild card teams, so like and I'm counting like the sucky teams too. So Colorado, Washington, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, New York, Chicago, San Diego, Cincinnati, Miami, Philly, San Fran, Arizona. So all the teams that aren't division winners right now, division leaders. Out of all those teams, the Padres, they have the best run differential, plus 42. And yet they're six and a half games back of the wild card. D-backs, first wild card, plus 20 run differential. San Francisco, second wild card, plus 37 run differential. Phillies, third wild card spot, plus seven run, yeah, run differential. Miami, two and eight in their last 10 games, not playing great, but they're eight games over 500. Like they have that room to not be that great right now. Padres don't have that. Their run differential is negative 17. Again, Padres run differential, plus 42. And the Padres find themselves six and a half, six and a half games back of the Miami Marlins. Cincinnati's negative 12. That's their run differential. Cubs are kind of in a similar spot to the Padres. Around the same spot, wild card wise, both six and a half games back. As of now, Cubs 45 and 50, Padres 46 and 51, plus 42 run differential for the Padres, plus 38 run differential for the Cubs. So it's pretty close there, but it's the inconsistency. I, I, I don't watch a whole lot of Cubs baseball, but I guarantee you that they have been inconsistent as well. Because you can't be, if you're consistent, you would be in a wild card spot right now, offensively, right? Or maybe they're consistent offensively. They're just not as in, they're just not as consistent as the Padres are, uh, maybe starting pitching wise, right? Like the inconsistency has been inconsistency has been maddening for this Padres team. And so run differential, I like it sometimes, but that's if I know the whole story of the team. Like if I'm following the team day in day out. That's when I'll use run differential, and I like it. But run differential does not tell the whole story. It doesn't. Just look at the Padres' run differential, right? So, yeah. Um, disappointing. I th they won this series, but I'm sorry. I'm disappointed with this series because they had that opportunity to sweep. You know, the hope that kills you. I don't know if you've heard of that, but, like, the hope of sweeping this series, right? With the opportunities to do so today. That's what like killed my, um, I don't know, my mindset here going into this show because it's like, well, they had the chance and they didn't capitalize on it. They have to sweep ser some series here. They have to go on a run. If they, you know, it's not like an Aaron, this is kind of like the Yankees. The Yankees are really struggling right now. Aaron Boone said the other day, they control their own destiny. No, they don't. You're in last place in your division. I'm talking about the Yankees. You're not in a wild card spot, and they're in a better spot than the Padres are. They're less games back, but it's like hell for Yankees fans. They're like, sell, 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 and we're sitting over here in a worse spot than the Yankees are. They're over 500, and we're like, I think we think we should sell, but you got the front office being like, nah, maybe we'll buy. It's, it's just weird. Um, but no, you know, speaking to Aaron Boone, what he was saying there, Padres, they don't control their own destiny. Yankees don't control their own destiny. Like when you're behind like this in the wild card picture, you're, you're relying on other teams to lose too. Like if you win, 
It doesn't matter if the other teams ahead of you win. It doesn't matter. So the Padres don't control their own destiny. I mean, they got to obviously win games, but they got to rely on some other teams beating those teams ahead of them. All right, quick break, and then I want to give my thoughts on the whole Joe Musgrove situation. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so I don't know if anyone saw this. I'm sure a lot of you did. But Joe Musgrove, after he started in Game 1 of the Toronto Blue Jays series, pitched good, six innings, one earned run. He has a 176 ERA, by the way, in his last 10 outings. So he has been really good. He was asked by the media there in Toronto about the Padres trade deadline situation and what happens if the Padres sell. You know, how does he feel? Essentially, how does he feel about the team? And I love this about Joe. He is transparent. He's not going to sit there and sugarcoat things or just give. Sometimes he might, but most of the time he is going to give you his actual thoughts and he's not afraid to speak his mind and say how the, the season's been disappointing and all that. So this is via Kevin AC. I know Dennis Lynn of The Athletic wrote about this as well. So he was asked again a question about the trade deadline and Hater and Snell came up. I don't know if Snell and Hater was in the question, but no, Joe mentioned Snell and Hater in his response. So here it is. I don't think many guys in here have thought a whole lot about whether we're buying or selling. I feel like whether we buy or sell, we're a really good team regardless. There are certain guys that they aren't going to sell. And even if we do sell off, the guys that are available, Blake, Hater, that are going to be free agents at the end of the year, we have a good team in here without those guys. Obviously, we're not the same team without them, but we do have a good team. So I feel like that's not as much of a concern and we're not really thinking about that. We're thinking about winning games one at a time and just putting as many as we can together in a row. He's, he, he mentioned Snell and Hayter. Like, I love that Joe mentioned that. And I like that he has confidence in this Padres team. And I think that some fans took this the wrong way. Some fans came at this like, why is he calling out Snell and Hayter? That's not what a good teammate does. Don't know if he should have said that to the media. For me, I was totally fine with what Joe said. Is he lying? Is he saying that Hater and Snell suck? No. He, in fact, made sure to mention, obviously, we're not the same team without them, but we do have a good team. So, like, and he knows that the team's not good record-wise, but he's saying, like, we have a talented roster still. That This is what he was trying to say. And I think he was fine with what he said. We have a talented roster. It wasn't any anything bad towards Hater or Snell. It was just speaking fact. Like, we have a talented roster. If we don't have Blake Snell and Josh Hader, we're still going to have a talented roster. Joe Musgrove, Hugh Darvish, Seth Lugo, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, Jake Cronenworth, Hassan Kim, right? There's guys there. Robert Suarez, you can add in there, right? And some of the other relievers. 
There's a good roster. There's still talent there. If they don't have Blake Snell and Josh Hader, that's what he was saying. He wasn't saying that, uh, I don't care about Hader and Snell. I don't want Hader and Snell on the team. He, he's not saying that. He just realizes, like we all do, that Hader and Snell are possibilities to be traded. And he just believes that the Padres have a good, talented team in that clubhouse if those guys happen to depart on August 1st or before the trade deadline. So again, I think some fans took this the wrong way. I was fine with what he said. We're a really good team regardless. Now, results-wise, they're not a really good team. So if you think he was lying about that or he was wrong there, okay, go ahead. You can say that. But in terms of what he was saying, what he meant to, what he was meaning by his words, I don't think he said anything wrong. I like him being honest. I like him having confidence in the guys in that clubhouse. I was totally fine with it. Let me know your thoughts. I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. I think there was a lot that was made of that when he was he was asked a question by the media. I, I don't know exactly what the question was. I don't know if Snell and Hader were specifically mentioned in that question by the reporter, but Musgrove brought their names up. He's not a dummy. He knows that Josh Hader is great. He knows that Blake Snell is great. But if we're being honest, they do provide kind of minimal impact to the team. Snell pitches once every five days. He can be inconsistent at times. There are some times where he puts limits on himself. And after the All-Star break, yeah, five innings, 75 pitches. That's kind of my goal when it's game one of a doubleheader and Ryan Weathers is on the mound in game two. You know, uh, Josh Hader, great when he's on the mound. I would love to have him if we don't have to pay him $100 million, but that's, the Padres probably don't want to pay another reliever well, way more than what Robert Suarez is getting. He's not even getting half of what Josh Hader is probably going to command in free agency, right? For a guy that pitches once every few days, like if you're not winning games, why have Josh Hader on this team? And even when he's on the team, how many times is he going to pitch three days in a row? He's done that once this year. And it's pretty, at least for me, seems pretty clear he doesn't want to do that. So when you really look at it, those guys, of course you'd like to have them. But if you don't have them, it's still going to be a collective effort. Like those two guys don't make up the team. This isn't the NBA. It's not like he was sitting there as a member of the Warriors and sat there and like, yeah, I think we have a really good team If even without Clay and Steph in here or without Dre and Steph. Like, come on, that would be idiotic, right? But that's not what he's saying. That It's, it's different sports as well, you know? Like, it's just different. There's still talent, a lot of talent, a lot of players that a lot of other teams would love to have that is in that clubhouse. They just need to play better. And I think that's that's pretty much what Joe is saying there. Like, he, he believes in the talent in that clubhouse. I'm curious what other Padres fans thought about those comments. I'll get to that here in a little bit, but let's just start off with the chat here. Is there any more super chats I need to get to? Okay, I don't see any there. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question again, I please, please consider, uh, I recommend you using that super chat button. It supports the channel as well. It makes it really easy for me to find your comment. 
Um, I'm going to scroll up to the top like I always do and then work, work my way down here in the comments. Is there anything else I wanted to get to before I just go to the comments here? I'll get to the other San Diego sports stuff, obviously, uh, near the end, like I always do. There's there's a good amount to talk about, too. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned for that. Um, JD's third says, we are hyper-focused on Matt Carpenter, rightfully so. He and Crony have been atrocious. How about the so-called superstars the past two games? That's true. That's true. I, I talked about it earlier. Uh, Bogarts grounding in the double play. Manny striking out looking. Um, yeah. Situations where should have come through and they didn't. Jake Cronenworth, big contract. I know JD's third. You love telling me that Jake's not a superstar. And I, I realize that. I get it. He's not a superstar. But he did get the big contract. Not as big as Manny, obviously, but it was still significant, long deal. And he would tell you that, yeah, he's got to come through in that spot. And he didn't. So I think it's okay to focus on Carpenter. I'm not putting all the focus on Carpenter. I'm just saying, I mean, you were given a two-year contract. You played really well with the Yankees last year. So you're a major league vet. I think, weren't we saying like the same things about Nelson Cruz and Austin Nola, like they're just not providing an impact to this Padres team, so they need to go. That's all I'm saying about Carp. Superstars need to be better too. I am definitely willing to admit that for sure. Uh, Devin says, it's sad to see Crony struggle this much. I still love him, but man, it's brutal to see his recent at-bats. It is. There was that time. I forget what month it was, but I was even on this show saying like, Crony... He might be back. He's taking those shorter swings, line drive swings, not being afraid to go oppo. And early in the earlier in this Toronto series, he did that. I think on a sack fly on Tuesday, I want to say. Sack fly just took it the opposite way. Boom, a run scores. There you go. Uh, but yeah, there's times where it feels like he's over swinging and that gets him into trouble. Ari says, CJ Crone would be nice at first, then go get Cody Bellinger and an arm. I would be happy with those deadline moves. So, Irie, obviously, if that happens, that means the Padres are buying. Like, they're trying to go for it because you don't acquire Cody Bellinger for less than a year when he's going to go to free agency, right? You don't do that if you're trying to look towards the future, right? Because there's going to be a lot of competition for Cody Bellinger. So you're going to have to give up something. You might have to overpay for Cody Bellinger based on it, the the rumors I'm seeing and the teams that might be interested in him, the number of teams. So I don't think I don't see the Padres doing that. CJ Crone, what's his situation? Like, is he a free agent at the end of the year? So are these like rental guys or are these long term guys? CJ Crone, I mean, he's he's not having a tremendous season or anything like that. Below average OPS plus. Last year he went off, right? I think that was last year. Um, okay, two-year contract with the Rockies. So he's a free agent at the end of the year. So again, that's like buying. So do you? So you you want the Padres to buy, and you're saying an arm as well in addition to that. I, I I don't know. What I'm and this is a good question. I'll put it out to the chat now. Do you want this Padres team? to win games here before the deadline 
and start having that like momentum. If some believe in that, go on a run, right? Do you want the Padres to go on that run before the deadline? Or do you want them to lose before the deadline? Obviously, as a fan, it's like, of course you want them to win. But I'm kind of in a spot right now where I want this Padres team to win in my heart, obviously, while I'm watching the games, my competitiveness, I'm like, yeah, I want this team to win. But my brain is telling me, no, I don't want them to win because that's going to further convince AJ and Peter Seiler to want to go add pieces and not sell Hader, not sell Snell. And they're not going to do anything this year. And it's going to hurt their chances of winning in 2024 and in the future because they didn't get assets back for Hader and Snell. And maybe some other pieces that they might deal if they decided to just fully sell, you know? So, yeah, it, we're in a weird spot right now. I'm on the side of selling because I'm looking at the large sample size, not just a week or a 5 and one stretch before the All-Star break or a good first game against the Blue Jays. I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at the big sample size. I'm looking at that and saying, this team is not what we thought it was going to be. And let's try to be what we thought they were going to be in 2024 and in the years following that. Because you can't go back and change the past. So let's just try to make the future better. Because this year, I don't see them going anywhere. So I think the smartest thing to do is you think with your head, your brain, not your heart, and you go you go sell mainly the two names, Snell and Hater. And hopefully Joe is correct and this team is a good team without Hater and Snell. That's that's how I see it. Devin says we need to see more of Alec Jacob. Dude has nasty stuff. It's time to bring in fresh arms. Martinez and the rest are overworked or have struggled for a while now. Well, maybe Martinez is turning a corner, but yes, I, I think especially going into the all-star break, this bullpen did seem cooked. You know, Bob Melvin used that word to describe Blake Snell out of the all-star break, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's valid that some are overworked in that bullpen. Some have struggled. I think we will see Alec Jacob more, but Alec Jacob's already on the roster and Suarez is on the roster now. Like, do they need to have those other guys in the pen be off the roster? No. Maybe just get less time from them and more time from Jacob. But Jacob's already on the roster. It's not like you're begging to see more Alec Jacob and he's sitting there in AAA and they need a roster move, you know? Uh, is this a Rangers fan? Texas Rangers Clubhouse says, Just my opinion, the roster isn't well constructed. The Xander signing made no sense at all to me. Now they may need to flip some guys. Trading Soto will be a loss if they do. Trade Hater slash Soto or no. I say trade Hater, but Soto, I think with all they gave up, you're not going to get that amount back in a trade. And I think Juan Soto can help them win next year. He's one of the better players on the roster, or one of the better hitters for sure on the roster. So I think trading Soto would hurt your chances of winning next year, and the Padres fully intend on trying to win next year as well. So I would not trade Soto. Now, Hader, he's he's not on the team next year, I wouldn't think. So Hader, yeah, because I don't see this year, you know, ending up being a great season for the Padres. Right now, the season's a failure. And for the Xander signing, yeah, 
positionally, it was kind of like, oh, okay, shortstop, interesting, long deal. Uh, but as I've said numerous times, AJ, the Padres, they were trying to create the best lineup possible. They were going all in. And to get Xander Bogarts, they felt that they need to get they needed to give that long deal to Xander for him to, to come to the Padres. And he ended up coming to the Padres and they've got him now. Iris says you can't have your DH batting eighth. Yeah, I agree. When your DH is batting eighth, I mean that's pretty bad look, right? Means means your DH isn't great. And that's what the Padres have with Matt Carpenter. Devin says another day Machado goes over. Whenever he has a bad day, the Padres are almost always going to lose. Yep, I mentioned that before too. Whenever Manny goes, it seems like the Padres go. And most of this year, the Manny has not gone. He obviously missed time with injury, getting hit there against the Royals, missed time. So there was that. And when he's been on the field, he's been really hot as of late. So I'm not going to get on him for what he's doing now. But most of the year hasn't been Manny. And most of the year, Padres have not been what we thought they were going to be going into the season. So, yep, good point, Devin. JD's third says, winning series won't be enough. We need six other teams to lose, and we need to sweep from here on out. Well, they're not going to go win how many games are left, 80? I don't know how many are left. They're not going to go win 80 games in a row. Okay? But, yes, I agree. They're going to have to sweep multiple series you, you can't just go be winning these series because guess what that means you only gained one game on your record and then you're relying on teams ahead of you to be losing series and that's not going to happen all the time so yes yeah, sweeps do need to be had Devin asked why is Carpenter still on the team Cruz had better numbers than Carp well Cruz was not a two-year contract Cruz did not play first base I, th I think that's why that's probably part of the reason why JD's third says, Crony got paid for that clutch hit last year. He'll live off that for the rest of his career. Maybe that helped. And Seidler is a fan of the team. So, and he's the one that, you know, signs off on the contract. So I'm sure that helped. But he was a back to back all star. He plays every day. He's one of the leaders of the team. He's good defensively. And he was pretty good offensively. I know numbers declining even last year but he was still pretty good offensively for this team. Was the contract needed to be handed out? No, they had him under control for more, multiple seasons. But I do remember, and I, I'm going to keep saying this because I think it's a valid point. I do remember there were a lot of Padres fans that liked the Jake Cronenworth contract at the beginning of the season when it was given out. And now less than a year into that, they're saying that it was a stupid deal and it didn't need to be given out. The extension did not need to be given out. What was AJ doing? What was Seidler doing? The Padres are idiots for that. And I'm like, hmm. I get having that opinion three years into this Jake Cronenworth extension, which I guess it doesn't even start yet. I guess it starts next year, I think. I get having the opinion three years into it, but to have it less than a season into the agreement, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. You can be pissed off by Jake Cronenworth's performance and i am he's disappointing right now he has been disappointing this season he's pissed off at his own performance he said that to the media to kevin ac earlier this year you know and he he feels really bad like not performing because of the contract that he got you know 
Um, so yeah, it's been a bad year, but to give up on it and, or say that it was a bad contract, you better not say that you, you better not say that was a great contract next year or the year after that. If Jake Cronenworth has a great year, better not because you jumped off the boat pretty early, like really early based on how long this contract is. And it's the same thing with Bogarts. You could say you could be pissed off. Maybe you didn't like the Bogarts contract, but still less than a season in and you're going to go bash the contract. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to wait. I don't even, did I, I don't, I don't, I didn't have a show then. So I don't remember, but I don't think that I went bashing the Eric Cosmer contract less than a season into the contract. I waited a little bit and then I was like, what the heck? This guy doesn't really care. At least that's what it seems like. Doesn't really care. Isn't out in the community. Doesn't do extra field work. He's so stubborn with his approach at the plate, not changing. Uh, just terrible. I waited though. I gave it a chance. And I think that's what some Padres fans should do here with the crony and Bogarts deals. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just me. Devin says, do you guys still want Bowmel gone? No, I don't. Um, that's been my viewpoint the whole time. I haven't, I don't think I've ever said Bowmel should be fired. I think I've said AJ probably should be fired if the Padres don't make the postseason this year. Like at some time, at some point, it has to come down to the results. And I know Peter Seidler, he's judging it from at the start of 2020 till now, right? So I guess maybe that's where the AJ is excellence quote came from, right? He has a better case at that than looking at the whole thing. But I'd love to have a job where my employer doesn't, my boss doesn't look at what I did the first five years here or however long, what, first 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, first five years here. Doesn't look at that. After five years, that's when he starts evaluating. I'd love to have that. Um, and I guess that's what Peter has done. At some point, the results have to speak louder than um, your relationship with the president of baseball operations, if you're Peter Scyther, in my opinion. Uh, Bob Melvin, I mean, he, he, he it's not like he can go acquire players. That's AJ. He has to deal with the players that are given to him. And some of the players that have been given to him, any manager in baseball would keep putting them in the lineup. Those players just have to be better. He's made some mistakes. I'm not saying that he's the best manager of all time. He's not. But this is not something I would pin on Bob Melvin for sure. He's tried to light a fire under the team, and there's been times where it hasn't worked. Um, let's see here. Spud Nuts. Interesting name says, Ben, who do we get at the deadline? JD's third says, We get Jesus at the deadline and pray. I I don't know. I know the name Heimer Candelario is getting thrown out there because I think he's a free agent at the end of the season, so it's a rental. And he's having a good year. He can play first, he can play third, he could be a DH bat. He's playing on the Nat, so it's not like they're buying. So maybe it would make sense. But Again, is it smart for the Padres to buy when this team's not going to go win the World Series this year? Because if they're not going to go win the World Series this year, then why should they buy? 
they might not even make the postseason this year. And odds are they don't. So why spend resources on a one-year, less than a year rental when you're not going to go anywhere? I think they should get a bat if if they're going to be in buying mode and they're going for it. So yeah, I'd be interested in Candelario. But me, my brain, again, you know, head versus heart, right? Talking about that again. My head is saying, just sell. You still have a good group of players, even if you sell and you don't buy. I know you're going to get, you're going to, you have to get something back, something major league talent back. But no, your main thing should be selling based on how this team is played. Devin says it's it's how we have the most quality starts, but we suck at one run games and extra innings. This is the most bipolar I've seen, ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It, it's it sucks. It's it's confusing. It's been confusing at times, you know, when you look at the run differential numbers, but then at the same time, it's not confusing because you're watching this team day in and day out. It's like, well, that's why the run differential is the way it is. If you're living in Kansas City and you're looking at the Padres, you're like. Why are they not in a postseason spot? Look at their run differential. Look at the big names on the team. But when you watch this team day in and day out, and you're looking at, you know, Tuesday, 9-1 win, but then you look at today, yesterday, 2-0 win, 4-0 loss today, you're like, oh, okay, so that's why. Because the blowouts are going to make it look like, yeah, you're scoring, well, you are scoring more runs than you're allowing, but at the end of the day, what matters is not the run differential. What matters is, the win-loss record, and the win-loss record is not good enough. JD's third says, trade Soto, Snell, Hader, Waka, and Kim. Win it all next year, and all is forgiven. Okay, but JD's third, I'm I'm on board with, now Waka, he's hurt, so I don't know if he's going to, he's not even going to pitch probably before the deadline. So I'm on board with like Snell and Hader, but Soto and Kim, I think they can help the Padres win next year especially Soto. So if you trade those guys, at what point are you hurting your chances of winning next year as well? I get this year is not going anywhere, but next year I still want to try then. So at one point are you like, you're screwing yourself next year by being in sell mode this year, if that makes sense for, for certain players. Any more super chats? I don't think so. Devin says Trent Grisham. Yeah, but what team's going to want Trent Grisham? And what are you going to get back for Trent Grisham? Maybe that's more of an off-season thing where they can move Tatis to center. They could do that mid-season, I guess. But, you know, find someone where you have more time in the off-season. Find someone that you can get multiple years of control who can go be a corner outfielder for you if you want to have Tatis go play center and you're done with Grish. Right? I, I don't see Grish being traded before the trade deadline. Brent says, stop kidding yourselves. We were three and four since the break. If you're still talking about making the wild card, you're delusional and it's time to wake up. Sell, sell, sell. That's, I, I still, you know, obviously mathematically, there's still a little bit of a chance, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the side of selling. JD's third says, any competent, any competent GM would have taken 260 million and crested a dynasty for at least 10 to 12 years, 
Sadler might need to sell the team to a sane owner if he thinks AJ is excellence. Yeah, so I get your point. Like, you're not a fan of AJ Preller. I get it. There's plenty of fans in this fan base that are in that same boat that you are, JD's third. Uh, but look at the New York Mets. Big payroll. Thought the New York Mets were going to be a postseason team this year. They're not going to. They might sell Scherzer at the deadline. <laughs> we weren't thinking that was going to happen, right? Look at the Yankees. Big payroll. They're not in a postseason spot right now. They might sell. Yankees fans want them to sell. L listening to some of those shows. They want them to sell at the deadline. So sometimes it's not all the GM's fault. Preller, they're definitely, it is partly his fault for sure. Definitely. I will acknowledge that. But sometimes you have star players and they don't perform as well as you thought they would. Sometimes there's injuries. And sometimes the bets that you take on some players, those don't work out either. And you find yourselves in a similar spot to where the Padres find themselves. Devin says, AC said that Bo Mel's at the end of his rope. Yeah, I heard that on Darren. I think that was on Darren's show on Sanding Sports 760. And what he meant by that was like Bo Mel's kind of like fed up with the team. And um, the comment, this came after the comments that he made in Philly last weekend. After, or, or yeah, it was after game one of that doubleheader, right? Saturday. And he said, Blake Snell's cooked. Would he say that about Joe Musgrove? Would he would he would have said post game Joe Musgrove he was yeah he was cooked. That's not something you just throw around about a player, right? So I think he might be a little bit fed up with Blake Snow and going into that outing pretty much setting his own limit after the All-Star break after he got a little bit of an extended rest. When the team needs to win games, you have Ryan Weathers pitching game 2 of the doubleheader and you say I'm tired and so and I'm sore. I'm not so sure Bomel was a fan of that. Um, and I think that he's just tired of just the team right now. Uh, underperformed. He thought he was going to be managing a team that would get into the postseason and he'd have another shot at that World Series. But he's not gonna, it doesn't feel like he's going to get that this season. And who knows if he's going to be here at the end of next or at the beginning of next season. When spring training rolls around, I'm not saying he's going to get fired. Maybe he steps down and just doesn't want to deal with it. I don't know. Because I would imagine uh, managing this team would be a freaking headache with some of the stuff that's gone on. Brent says there's no place for Asung Kim with Xander and Crony not going anywhere and Merrill on the way. No room for Asung Kim. Trade him while his value is high. That's a good point. Uh, Merrill, when would he come up? Maybe end of next year, 2025. Um, and he could play, would he play second? Would he play short and you have Xander go play first or something? Or you still have Crony at first and you have Xander play second? I don't know. But yeah, it's a good point. Uh, that's also if the Padres don't trade Merrill which I don't see them doing this year, obviously, uh, unless AJ is just insane. Um, I That would be stupid. Even if they trade for Otani, like, that would just be stupid because there's no guarantee you sign him long-term, and why would you do that? You're, you don't even have a winning record. Why would you do that, right, for less than a season of Otani? And you might not even make the postseason, right? 
Um, so yeah, that's a good point with Kim and maybe he does get dealt and he is at his highest value. Now you, you risk him being at an even higher value next year. Cause year over year, he keeps getting better. Right. But you don't know that he's going to get better next year. He's doing really well this year. One more year of control. And again, like I said earlier, you can move crony to second. We know he plays well there. He's comfortable there and you can go get a power bat at first base or make that your plan, right? Or a trade for a bat in the off season or, or something. You can make that move. And so, yeah, I think Kim's name is, it has to be thrown around in the Padres front office. It has to be. Preller thinks about everything, every scenario. He might not think about every scenario long, but I'm sure there's so many things that are going up around in that brain right now. So it's a good point. Some good points you're making, Brent. So I would not be shocked because shocked and surprised are two different things, right? I would be shocked if someone like Joe Musgrove gets traded, right? That's shocked. Uh, I'd probably be shocked if Soto gets dealt. Kim, I would be more surprised than shocked if he gets traded. I don't see him being traded, but you make some good points. I think Kim, if he did get dealt, that feels like more of an off-season thing. If the Padres, like, they already have a bat that they acquire, and it's like, well, where's the room for Kim? You want him on the bench? You want to have Crony on the bench when you just gave him a big contract? Like, I feel like that's more of an off-season thing if it happens. And that would be so Padres, right? They have Kim promoting the whole South Korea thing next year for the beginning of the year, and he's not even on the roster for it. That would be so Padres. Just, just like, don't the Padres have a Snell giveaway ha happening? Bobblehead, he gets dealt. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with, like I've said, I'm, I'm fine with Snell being dealt before the deadline. But that would, that would be a Padres thing to have their bobblehead be scheduled after the trade deadline. Snell get traded, and then the bobbleheads go to go on fire or something. Or they can just ship those bobbleheads off to the team he goes to and be like, just put the new uniform on those guys, or just hand them out for free. Or, or, or the bobbleheads will just go to the Padres garage sale on the Fan Fest garage sale, or whatever, where they like have everything discounted. That's where those would go. Um, Just going through the comments here. Carlos says, Ben is defending Musgrove. Surprise, surprise, with a Joe Musgrove jer jersey behind him. Ben, we know you kiss his ass. Okay, come on, Carlos, really? So I'm guessing, Carlos, your standpoint on the Musgrove comments was that you thought that that was calling out teammates, being, you know, saying negative things about teammates, and he, he shouldn't do that. But if you go listen to the audio of Musgrove, which I have listened to, and you just read the quote, you read the entire quote, you don't read part of it, we have a good team in here without those guys, you read the entire thing, where he says, obviously we're not the same team without them, but we do have a good team. So he's, he's not trashing his teammates. He's just saying, 
essentially, yeah, Hader and Snell, they're probably available at the deadline. They could go. And I believe in the guys, the talent that's in this clubhouse without those guys. That's all. He's not saying those guys suck. I can't wait for those guys to not be on the team. So I disagree, Carlos. And if I didn't like what Musgrove said, I would have said I don't like what Musgrove said. I'm not going to sit here and defend Musgrove all the time just because he's one of my favorite players. That's that's not – I Crony's my favorite player, and I have said – I said on this show earlier today that he has not been good this year. I wouldn't blame you if you want to say that he has sucked this year, you know, based on his expectations for this season. He views himself as one of the, the very important players on this team. And he needs to play better than how he is playing. So, Carlos, if you want to keep having that thought that I'm just going to be biased towards certain guys, go ahead. Can't change your opinion on it, but I disagree with what you're saying. Carlos says, Musgrove acts like he is a Cy Young Award winner. Snell is. Yeah, but Musgrove also pitches, you know, six innings consistently and Snell doesn't. I mean, this year he's been good, really good. But for the most part, he's not the guy that is consistent. Musgrove's the guy that's consistent. Musgrove's the guy that's viewed as one of the leaders on his team. I don't think Snell is viewed like that. And again, Musgrove is not talking bad about Blake Snell. He's just talking about the reality that Snell and Hayter, they might be available. They might be leaving the clubhouse. And he believes in the talent that's still in the clubhouse if those guys end up going. It's not like Musgrove sucks. You know, was an all-star last year. Uh, 176 ERA in his last 10 starts. Battling through multiple injuries this year. Continuing to be on the field. J.D.'s third says, imagine if A.J. Preller was competent and somehow talked J.D. Martinez into coming here this season as D.H. Did did the Padres even have talks with J.D.? Yeah, I would have liked J.D., obviously. Um, and that's just not me looking in hindsight and looking at the Carpenter thing and the Cruz thing, comparing it to J.D. Like, I know J.D.'s, he's one of the great, like, feels like pure hitters in baseball, you know? Someone that really cares about hitting and watches a ton of video and all that, like, I would have been all for that. But I don't think those talks got very far. Because J.D., didn't he sign after the Bogarts contract? So I know J.D. was a one-year deal. And J.D., you know, Mookie in, with the Dodgers and his hitting coach that he likes is with the Dodgers. Padres didn't have that. So maybe the they were already at disadvantages and they were like, yeah, might as well not even go for it because his mind's already set. Maybe that's what they were told by J.D. or J.D.'s agent. I don't know. But yeah, of course, looking back, you'd love to have J.D. over Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz. Carlos again says, Ben is just too much of a fan to be objective. He is a loyal Padres fan to a fault. He can't see things for what they are. Hang on, <laughs> Carlos. Have I not said a bunch over the, like the last couple weeks that I don't think this team's going to be a postseason team and this season has been a failure 
This team's not going anywhere. They should sell Hater and Snell. If I was being a loyal Padre fan to a fault, I would say, no, everything's going to be fine. I believe in the talent on this team. It's going to keep going. They're going to make the postseason. They're going to turn things around. It's all right. Don't Snell hate. Don't don't sell Snell and Hater. It's okay. Am I saying that? No, I'm not. So I appreciate you tuning in, but I disagree with what you're saying. Uh, Charmaine says, I don't think we benefit moving Grish. Yeah, like right now, I kind of have that same thought as well. Like, what is the return that you're going to get back for Trent Grisham? Is that going to help you at the big league level? Are you going to get a power-hitting corner outfielder back in a Trent Grisham trade? Probably not. Um, I feel like Grish would be more of a bench player on a contending team. Or he'd play center field and have the same role as he does now, but there wouldn't be a whole lot of attention on him because there would be other better players at the top of the order, guys that are actually performing. And maybe there's more of a spotlight on Grish because there's a lot of guys in the lineup that have underperformed this year. He's great in center field defensively. He does have pop. He's been hitting better as of late. So, yeah, maybe that's more of an offseason thing. Who did I say? Kim? Maybe that's more of like a off-season thing too. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I'm just continuing to go through this chat here. Lizzie says, Ben is just not an impulsive fan that says DFA Grish, DFA Crony. There are some fans like that too, but I think that those are some fans that maybe don't watch every game uh, or they're just reacting like right in the moment and they don't have to be like held accountable for anything that they say or anything like that. And they're just like, yeah, DFA this guy, DFA this guy, fire Bowmel, fire this guy. And it's like, they don't realize does that actually make sense? Um, what would have to happen for that to happen? Like what other moves would happen after that? Who's coming in? Yeah. They just think everyone's on one year deals essentially, you know, or trade Grish or trade this guy. It's like, well, what guy wants him? What's the return going to be? Does that actually make sense? Yeah. There are, there are some fans like that, but there's a lot of Padre fans that don't do that. They're just frustrated with this season, just like I am. All right. I'll be back after this break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. 
That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, I'll get back to the chat here to end this show, but I wanted to get to some other San Diego sports stuff here first. So starting with the San Diego State Aztecs, so there was some some news that came out this week. The Mountain West, they're having their media days this week in Las Vegas. And the Mountain West, they have informed San Diego State that they will remain a member of the Mountain West Conference. Remember, they had their meeting, I believe it was earlier this week, on Monday with the presidents of the conference, not including San Diego State President Adela De La Torre, because they were trying to see if San Diego State was going to be included in the conference or not. They were pretty much like deciding that. So Mountain West, they're keeping San Diego State in the conference, but San Diego State never left, right? Could they have handled the situation a little bit better? I think so, but they never left. They said that they intend to leave. I guess there were sources at the Hawaii meeting, according to Mark Ziegler in the Union Tribune, that Adela De La Torre was essentially saying her goodbyes, but they never officially sent in a resignation letter. They intended to, but they never did. So they never left. Mountain West, they initially said that San Diego State owed the $17 million exit fee, but San Diego State never left. So they contended that, no, we don't owe you anything. And so that went back and forth. Some lawyers got involved, I think. Legal work happened for sure, because now San Diego State has to pay fees. I think it would, it's like $100,000. They have to pay fees that the Mountain West expensed over the legal work um, that they did because San Diego State said that they didn't leave the conference and they had to dispute that, right? So San Diego State, like, I think this is the right thing for both sides right now. For San Diego State, they don't have a conference to go to, so it makes sense. They're going to be here for 23-24, 24-25. We'll see what happens 25-26. They could leave 24-25 for that year, but the exit fee doubles to over $30 million, and they don't want to do that. So I think the most realistic thing is that they go to the Pac-12 probably in 25-26 once this media deal is worked out. Maybe they get the invite, and then they agree, yeah, 25-26, that's the first year that we can go join the conference. For the Mountain West, this makes sense, obviously, because as Gloria Navarez mentioned, the Mountain West commissioner yesterday when she was speaking to the media and she was speaking on John and Jim on San Diego Sports 760, yes, the Mountain West is a better conference with San Diego State in it. There is no doubt about that. So why why did they dispute? Now, it's 
obviously for money, but like, why did they dispute San Diego State being in the conference or not? Like, why did they initially say, no, 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 you left if they want San Diego State in the conference? If they think the Mountain West has, is a better conference with San Diego State in it, why did they try to initially, like their first thought was to kick San Diego State out and say, no, you owe us an exit fee, right? So, you know, Mountain West, they're going to try to make themselves look good. Um, San Diego State, they're going to try to make themselves look good. That's just the way it is. And we'll see what happens. Gloria Navarro, she obviously wouldn't commit to San Diego State being in the conference past, I think, 24-25. Or maybe it was for, no, I think think it was 23-24. She wouldn't commit for them being in the conference past then because you you don't know what's going to happen, obviously. She can't commit that because she doesn't control if San Diego State stays or not. That's up to the president's. That's up to San Diego State. That's up to the Pac-12, right? Are they going to offer San Diego State an opportunity to come to the Pac-12, uh, Big 12, right? Like, who knows? So we'll see what happens. But this is the right thing for both sides as of now. All right, moving on here, talking about the San Diego Wave. So the San Diego Wave, they are playing this weekend. They're going to be playing on Friday, Friday night. It's going to be at 7.30 in Portland, San Diego Wave against the Portland Thorns. Uh, obviously, it's during the World Cup. The World Cup just started, actually, today. So the Wave, they're not going to have, obviously, big players in there, right? They're going to have Korniak. They're going to have um, the normal players that didn't make it to the World Cup, obviously. Jane Shaw, Mel Barsenis will be there. Mackenzie Doniak, right? Like those, the same players that were there in the last match, they're going to be there, right? Um, But we'll see how that goes. I believe it's a challenge cup match, so it's not regular season play. Regular season play doesn't start again, I don't think, till August. So they're giving them the break from that. And this is an opportunity now for the wave to grow. Grow as a team. You want to win the challenge cup. You get, I think, a million dollars. But it's not the most important thing. Obviously, the most important thing is the regular season, the shield, winning the shield, um, which goes to the best regular season team, or being in the top six. Being in the top six gets you into the postseason. That's what's the most important, winning the whole thing. That's what the most important thing is. And there's also other news, talking about the championship game. San Diego, Snapdragon Stadium, will be hosting the NWSL championship game for 2023. That was announced uh, by the NWSL this week. Also, Jeff Kazoof, he was the first to report that. His sources reported that uh, earlier in the week. November 11th will be the championship game, and hopefully the San Diego Wave, obviously, will be in the championship game. What matchup am I hoping the championship game to be? Probably either Wave against Portland because of the revenge there, San Diego lost to Portland last year in the playoffs, their first year, obviously. Crystal Dunn with the goal, the late goal. Or I hope it's Wave and the Washington Spirit, because that's an amazing matchup. Trinity Rodman, it sucks when she plays against the Wave, but I love, I just love watching. She's one of my favorite players. Um, obviously, I love her being on the U.S. Women's National Team. That's when I actually get the chance to cheer for her. But her, Ashley Hatch, Ashley Sanchez, uh, Kingsbury as the goalie, like they have a lot of talent on that squad. So seeing Wave against Spirit, 
seeing Wave against Portland. I think those would be really cool matchups in the final. But the Wave, they have work to do, obviously. They're sitting right inside the playoff picture right now. They're in sixth, 21 points. North Carolina's in first, then Portland, then Gotham, O.L. Reign, and Washington. Those are teams ahead of San Diego. But again, the regular season is on a break right now with the World Cup. But I can't wait. I mean, San Diego, this is a great spot for the championship game. I mean, I wouldn't expect the weather to be bad. It's going to be in prime time. San Diego draws the most fans. It has broken records, obviously. It broke the just attendance record, the first game ever in uh, last September at Snapdragon Stadium, first wave game ever. It broke that attendance record, I think 32,000. Then there was over 25,000 at the playoff game, the playoff win last year against the Chicago Red Stars. There was the record that they broke, I think, this year for the home opener attendance record when they played Chicago at home. So they're setting records, fans show up, and yeah, this is a great spot. Players love coming to San Diego to play the San Diego Wave. Uh, Hopefully there's going to be the U.S. Women's National Team making an appearance here at some point because it's a no-brainer, just like the NWSL Championship game coming here. It's a no-brainer. There's going to be the Fan Fest like there was last year when it was in Washington. So hopefully there's going to be some stars that come out that aren't even playing in the championship game, that they come to San Diego and fans can get a chance to meet them. It seems like the soccer world's pretty excited about this. Now, there's some that don't want the NWSL championship game to be at a neutral site. They think that it deserves the number one seat or the higher seed deserves to host the game. And to be honest, I do kind of agree with that. I think soccer, it's just different. You know, having, you know, the home field, I, I think it does... I think that's an ex- really an incentive for the teams. Obviously, the World Series, it's home field, but there's the Super Bowl. There's other events that it's predetermined, but like NBA Finals, World Series, NHL, those aren't at neutral sites. Those are at the home stadiums, right? The home arenas, the, the highest seed gets the home field advantage, right? So I wouldn't mind seeing that, but it's in San Diego, so I'm going to love it. and. I don't think it's the end of the world. Like at the end of the day, the better soccer team or the team that plays the better match on November 11th is going to win. But I don't blame those that have the thought that it shouldn't be a neutral site game. It should be the highest seed should host the game. Like they earned it. And I'm definitely not going to try to sway you off that thought. Uh, I do kind of agree with that, but I'm a San Diego fan and I cannot freaking wait for the championship game to come to San Diego. Hopefully I see some of y'all out there. and then. Tomorrow night, the U.S. Women's National Team, World Cup already started. Team Canada, by the way, Kaylin Sheridan, the Wave goalkeeper, she and Team Canada plays tonight, so you can watch that. I believe it's on Fox tonight. Nigeria and Canada, 7.30 on Fox. New Zealand already beat Norway. Emily Van Eggman is on Australia. They beat Ireland 1-0 today. And tomorrow, there are some games, a couple games, Philippines and Switzerland at 10 p.m. Uh, or not, that's Thursday. Oh, oh, never mind. That's later today at 10 p.m. Okay. And then Friday, tomorrow, 12.30 a.m., Spain and Costa Rica. And then the one we're all waiting for, at least most fans are waiting for, the United States, they kick off their 2023 World Cup schedule, their group matches. United States against Vietnam, 6 p.m. on Friday night before the Wave match. So it's perfect timing. The Wave they're hosting 
a watch party. So it's on their social media pages. So you can go there to go see that, uh, to see where it is and all the information for that. There's watch parties as well other at other establishments too. Uh, but 6 p.m. there, that's their first match. And I would be surprised if the score is not like 4-0, 5-0, maybe Vietnam scores a goal. But I think you're going to get to see some of the subs come in. But United States, they're going to start their their number one group. They're going to start their main starters uh, in this match, first match. Like you got to get six points to come out of the group, you would think. First, uh, if you don't know, it's an expanded World Cup. It's I think it's 32 teams now. It was less teams the last World Cup cycle. Um, so group stage, four teams in each, eight groups, top two in each advance. There's the knockout round. There's the quarterfinals, semis, and obviously the final. Um, so the United States, I believe they're going to have to win. I believe they play seven matches if they're going to get to the championship. So it all starts tomorrow, 6 p.m., and then their second match is against the Netherlands, which is a 2019 World Cup final rematch. 2019, Rapino, Lavelle, they scored. They're both on this year's roster. Wednesday at 6 p.m. against the Netherlands. That should be fun. And then Portugal and the United States, that is the final um, group stage match for the United States. Portugal, they're a new team in this, so I wouldn't expect that one to be too close either. But hopefully the United States knows they're already advancing, and so they don't have to play their starters the entire match. And that's going to be Tuesday, August 1st. So not this coming Tuesday, the 25th, but the Tuesday after that. So they're, they're going to get rest here um, in these World Cup or in between these three World Cup matches. But I cannot wait. Alex Morgan, she's going to be starting, I would imagine. And Naomi Gurma, she is going to be starting as one of the two center backs there for the U.S. Women's National Team. Can't wait. Can't wait. I think that Gurma is going to be, obviously, a, everyone's going to know who she is coming out of this tournament. Everyone already knows who Alex Morgan is. And I think Trinity Rodman, she is going to be a star. I know a lot of attention is on Sophia Smith, and rightfully so, but I think Trinity Rodman's going to be a star. You heard it here first, or maybe not first, but... Um, I feel like more people are talking about Soph than they are about Trin. So can't wait for that. Cannot wait for that. And then the Loyal, they their next match, it's coming up against Borussia Dortmund. They're going to play on the 30th. That's when they resume their NWSL season. And then, But next week, they play Borussia Dortmund at Snapdragon Stadium. There's the Wrexham Man United match as well. So... San Diego sports, man, it is fun to be in San Diego sports right now. Obviously, we wish the Padres would be doing better, but there's a lot of good stuff that's going on right now in San Diego sports. All right, back to the chat here. JD's third says, very embarrassing for San Diego State and the city. We can't get anything right in this great city. We put the cart before the horse and everything. So you're saying like the letter, San Diego State saying, that they're intending to leave, like that shouldn't have been public. I agree with that. Probably shouldn't have left the paper trail with that. Um, but I don't think it's really that embarrassing because the Mountain West knows San Diego State wants to go to the Pac-12. They want to go to a bigger conference. And they're just waiting on the Pac-12 to issue the invitation to them. They're waiting for the Pac-12 to get their media deal done. And until that happens, no deal is going to 
no invitation is going to be extended to San Diego State. So they're just waiting, and they try to take a little bit of a chance, essentially a $100,000 chance, because that's what they owe now in the legal stuff, and because they're back in the conference, and that's just the, the little thing that Mount West said, like, you're back, but you have to pay this. Um, and they were willing to take that chance, and there was no deal done, so they're back in the Mountain West. Carlos says San Diego is cursed except for the San Diego Soccers. Um, well, San Diego Soccers have a ton. Yeah, indoor, so indoor soccer. I don't follow that a ton. So just to be honest, like I don't want to sit here and talk about San Diego Soccers and act like I know what I'm talking about when I don't. So that's why I don't talk about them. Um, but I'm, I think I'm sure there's some coverage of them somewhere. I, I know... I know, though, that I, I talk about like the San Diego Wave, the San Diego Loyal, probably Aztecs, frankly, as well. I talk about them more than most shows in town do. And that's that's my goal. Like I, I want to do that at the end of shows because I think those teams do deserve to be talked about. And I don't think they get enough coverage, to be honest, especially teams like the Wave. Uh, and the MLS update, by the way, there's not really an update. Um when it, what what was the last update? September, I think, is when the the name and the colors should be announced. Which the name, I, I'm pretty sure it's San Diego FC, and the colors. There's been some leaks at what they might be, but we don't totally know yet. Um, Gil says, "Yep, Canada, seven thirty. Yep, Jordan Heinema, OL Rain." I'm um, just going through the chat here. Pony asked, should the Padres get Spencer Strider? They should, yes, they should get him. But are they going to get him? No, the Atlanta Braves are not going to give Spencer Strider to the Padres. Okay, He's one of the best starters in baseball. All right, anything else that I should have hit on? I don't think so. So... Padres next series coming up. Padres and the Detroit Tigers coming up this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll end it kind of previewing that series. So this, this is a series that feels like the Padres should sweep, right? Because the Tigers suck. Now you would say, well, the Padres aren't that good either, Ben. But if they want to get back in this, you've got to sweep some series. Like, like I was mentioning earlier, you have to sweep series. It's not good enough just to win the series because there are teams ahead of you that are going to win series. They might not sweep series. And so you sweeping series is what's going to allow you to creep up that wild card standings. If that's where this team actually wants to be. Right. So Friday, it's going to be Lugo on the mound for the Padres. Three forty is the first pitch. That game is on Apple TV plus. Okay. Just a reminder, Apple TV plus it's not on channel four, at least for me, because I have Cox not on channel four. It's on Apple TV Plus, so some might not be able to watch that. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to be posting some clips to that, so you can follow on social media at Talking Friars, Twitter, and Instagram. Saturday, don't know who that starter is. I feel like that's going to be a spot starter because I think that's when they wanted Waka to pitch, but he's not going to be ready. Obviously, probably won't be ready till August, to be honest. And then Sunday, I think it's 
is it Musgrove? Well, Wi-Fi is not loading, so I think it's Musgrove on Sunday. Because he pitched on Tuesday, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, Sunday. If he pitched on every fifth day schedule, it'd be Musgrove on Sunday. Spot starter on Saturday. So, yep, that's the series. I mean, the Detroit Tigers, like, look at where they stand right now. They're a bad team. Spencer Torkelson, right? He was supposed to be, like, their big prospect. He hasn't been doing that great this year. Tigers, 44-52. and 52. Isn't that's not as bad as I thought it was, but I mean, this is again, this is a team that the Padres need to beat if they want to get where they want to go. Let's sweep this series. If they don't sweep the series, I feel like I'm going to be saying some of the stuff that I said today. Like, okay, they won the series, but they didn't sweep when they probably could have. That's how I felt about this Toronto series. I mean, they had a bunch of opportunities today and just were not able to come through, you know. Um, Detroit six and four in their last 10. They're in third place in that central because the central sucks five and a half games back. They have a negative 77 run differential. The Padres again, if you missed it earlier, plus 42 run differential, but both teams find themselves under 500. Both teams find themselves in either third place or fourth place in their division. Tigers nine games back in their wild card. The Padres are six and a half back in their wild card. So, yeah, I'm probably going to be disappointed if they don't sweep. All right, that's going to do it. Talking Friars, episode 429. Thank you, everyone, so much for the time. I know that we have disagreed on some things today. Carlos, I'm looking at you. JD's third. I'm talking to you. But I do appreciate Padres fans for the support for the conversation. I do do it because I do love talking with you guys about our favorite team. So again, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day and go Padres.